0: Let's get things booming EOB society. Welcome back to an all new installment of evolution of brand. I'm Jason Sircone and today on episode 56, I'm sharing the mic with Steve Morris, a professional entrepreneurial operating system or EOS implementer who coaches and mentors brands to efficient growth and greater results. As we explore Steve's brand evolution today, we'll be talking about the lessons he learned from designing multi-million dollar racing yachts and coaching the teams that race them, how the aforementioned entrepreneurial operating system works, the most critical aspect to effective brand evolution, and Steve's practice of the three uniques. All of this and much more lies ahead on episode 56 of Evolution of Brand, right after a quick word from our sponsors. Building your brand as a value-driven podcast guest is impactful, innovative, and the most fun way to showcase your expertise and leave your mark. But just like everything, there's a right way to do it and a wrong way. And doing things right opens up a world of possibilities to you and your brand. That's why I created Guest Accelerator. This system is designed to provide the tips strategies, and methods you need to build and execute powerful, effective podcast guesting campaigns. Guest Accelerator also has a built-in comprehensive training program known as Mic Drop University where you'll learn basic skills for being a confident, compelling guest, as well as some of the ninja strategies that will make you stand out as the premier mic-dropping guest in your niche. Visit GuestAccelerator.com to learn more. Steve Morris, welcome to Evolution of Brand. Say hello to the EOB Society and share a time you listened to yourself instead of what others told you was right, and it led to a major accomplishment.
1: Hey Jason, thank you very much for having me on the podcast. I really appreciate it. I think there's been a number of times when I've really sort of felt like, you know, in my career, things weren't sort of on track, you know, in terms of where I wanted to to get to. And, you know, sort of having that feeling like it's time for a change. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about that in my story as we go forward. But I had a pretty major career switch about uh, 15 years ago. And I think that that was really a time when, you know, I was heading in one direction. And then I decided I need to go into another. So.
0: So I, I want to take some time to really dive deep into how you help others reach optimal levels of success. And, Before we get into that, I want to talk about how you've gotten to where you are today and helping people do that. One of the really cool things that jumped out at me when I was getting to know you was that you started your career designing multi-million dollar racing yachts and then coaching the teams that race those yachts. Mm -hmm. So share some of your experiences from that journey and some of the lessons that you picked up that still ring true today in everything you do.
1: Yeah, so I I had a really cool and interesting start to my career doing that. You know, it was my first job straight out of college. Um, You know, I'd done engineering at college, studied mechanical engineering. My first job out of college, I was on this professional sailing team, helping this boat get ready to go race around the world. So I was getting up at six (laughs) six o'clock in the morning, going to the gym, lifting iron off the floor, trying to get, you know, fit and in condition to be able to to work with this team. And I think it was one of my first sort of real sort of solid introductions to like what it's like to be working on a high performing team. You know, from there, I didn't actually sail around the world. I ended up coming here to the United States and getting a job designing those sailboats. And so turning around and, you know, the person who had first given me my job out of straight out of college, People like that were now my clients and I was designing sailboats for them. And you know, the lessons that I really learned in those days, people being driven to win, right? The amount of effort and, and focus and, and concentration that got put onto everything that we could do that would get us in a position where we could win, there was no end to that. And there's so many different aspects about that. And you know, in particular, the parts that I was responsible for, getting the design of the boat right, you know, we were always sort of needing more time, always wanting to do more research, getting that last little piece that we could um, to go into the design. And then once the design was done and the boat was built, like working with those sailing teams to like really maximize the potential to be able to drive those boats forward. Now, you can imagine some of the clients that we had coming to us, you know, commissioning us to design those boats. These are people who have been incredibly successful in life already, because uh, sailing's kind of a, you know, it's a luxury sport. <laughs> so people coming into this, um, you know, this was something that was a, a passion for them. But my experience was they were bringing this Intense competitiveness that had made them very successful in the business world. And they brought it into the sporting arena because they wanted to win there as well. And so, just to be able to work with clients like that who are just like pushing us constantly, we design a boat, build it, launch it, and they turn straight around and say to us, okay, how can you make it faster? <laughs> so, it's really pushing you from a creative aspect, you know, because you've just done all your best work. And now you've got to make it better (laughs) again. But what what I really got out of all of that is working in a team, right? To be able to um, have a group of people around the table. And how do you structure that? And how do you get the most out of all those people to be able to continuously keep being creative and pushing your creativity forward? That was an incredible uh, time in my career.
0: Sounds like there was no room for complacency in that area of your life.
1: Complacency meant, you know, you were at the back end of the fleet. <laughs> you didn't get to win, right? I mean, because, you know, this is sort of one of those things that even when you put all of your best effort in with, with sailboat racing in particular, it was always um, the sort of heart and mouth time when you've put all your effort into designing something and it gets built and you, you've you trialed it and you've tested it and you've got it all worked up. Um, and then the first race, you know, the, the gun goes off and you're against your competition sailing. And that's when all of the, you know, the feedback suddenly starts coming home is, have you done enough? Right. And, you know, to see your boat looking like it's sailing faster than you're studying to start to feel happy. But then maybe, you know, something happens as a wind shift and you get on the, you know, on the bad side of that. And now you're behind. You know, it's just, it's an incredible experience to sort of put so much work and effort into that and then to see it succeed or maybe not succeed. Who knows? There's a lot of different factors in that. So where did the evolution of
0: Steve Morris go from there?
1: So I spent 16 years, the first 16 years of my career designing sailboats and also, you know, rising to become a leader at the top yacht design company in the world in Annapolis, Maryland. Um, But then I kind of found myself at the top um, in that business and kind of no way to learn more. And I was very curious uh, because, you know, we were working in the America's Cup and, you know, we would have clients um, in the America's Cup. People spend $100 million trying to win the America's Cup and they wouldn't. And I was kind of curious about that. Like, why would you, you know, how could you spend all that money and yet not succeed? Um, So I needed to go and learn about that and and to learn more. Um, So I made a very difficult decision to kind of leave the sailboat industry and actually went into government contracting in Washington, D.C. I became a PMP certified project manager, learned how to manage much larger groups of people, much larger budgets, um, and was helping the U.S. Navy launch ships into the fleet, which is a very, very different world um, from the sailboat World. But it was, it really gave me the sort of grounding in more in corporate America with larger teams, much larger, sort of slower moving projects, um, and all of the work that was involved in really helping them succeed uh, and be able to move forward. So it was a, a very different uh, time in my life for that.
0: And then from there, things transitioned into coaching.
1: Exactly. Yes. So six years ago, almost seven now, actually, I decided it was time to uh, get back to my roots and sort of get back to doing my own thing again. So I founded my own business really around this mission and passion to help people, teams, and businesses get unstuck and sail forward. Along the way, I was also introduced to this book called Traction and um, the Entrepreneurial Operating System, EOS, um, and I immediately fell in love because here I found, you know, all of the tools that I wished I'd had back in the yacht design days, you know, was when I was faced with the sort of obstacles trying to, you know, grow the yacht design business. So today, yeah, I'm a professional EOS implementer and I just love helping business owners, leadership teams get unstuck, fuel growth, and really build a more fun and profitable place to work with their crew. And um, fun's an important thing there too. <laughs> work should be fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the, the, the big hangups when people start to get burnt out or they start to think maybe they've taken the wrong direction. It's because work has lost that element of fun where passion slowly starts to decline. And it, sometimes it's difficult to come back from that mindset. Sometimes it's not. But yeah, keeping fun, in front of mind can definitely help and play a great role hmm. now you mentioned the the eos implementer and you, you also told me you were a certified in the lego serious play method mm-hmm. can, can you elaborate on these items and, and let us know how both of them add value to your practices
1: so they're used for for different things with different types of teams or really depending on you know what that team is wanting to do where where they want to go so the eos the entrepreneurial operating system it's Really, a complete proven system of a simple set of practical tools that we bring into a business to help with execution. It's about managing, harnessing all of the human energy in the business, getting everybody aligned, streamlined, and heading in the same direction. And, you know, oftentimes when I'm talking with potential clients and clients, you know, businesses. Are busy, right? There's 136 things happening every single day. Um, But to the extent that we can um, strengthen what we call six key components in the business, if we can strengthen those six key components, then those 136 issues just kind of tend to fall into place because they're really just sort of symptoms of root causes. And that's what we use the EOS tools for, is really getting down and dealing with root causes in the business, put systems in place to be able to get everybody aligned and heading forward. And it's been used in over 12,000 businesses here in the US and around the world to be able to get businesses to elevate, succeed, help business owners get what they want. It's a magical system. (laughs)
0: As you've developed your business around these different philosophies, what aspects did you focus in on to stand out and show your clients that you were the partner that they needed to succeed?
1: Yes, I think when I'm talking with my EOS clients, it's, you know, I've I've had a lot of things throughout my career. I've, I've been a design engineer, certified project manager. I've run a business. But the theme through all of that is working with people. Right. working with teams of people to help them figure out like, you know, where are we trying to get to? What's our goals? How do we need to organize and, you know, how can we really come together and elevate our game to be able to maximize our potential? Um, and that's really what I, working on these high performing teams right at the very beginning of my career as like, it's in my DNA um, about the type of work, the level of work, the, you know, the intensity sometimes of, you know, the attention to detail, what you really need to do to be able to move a group of people forward in a, in a high performing way. So I bring that to my clients. And, you know, throughout my whole career, I've always been very client focused, right? I mean, listening to clients, what are they trying to do, where they want to go, and then helping them Um, along that path, charting their voyage to success is what I like to say.
0: (laughs) And as your brand took shape, what sort of obstacles were you forced to overcome?
1: So I think along the way, I mean, one of the things about taking, you know, a career that's gone through some changes and paths, it always takes time to reestablish yourself in some ways, or to be able to take components from, your journey and to put them in place, to be able to say what those components are doing that's contributing to taking you forward. You know, and I've known people, you know, I've got a a good friend of mine. She's been, you know, in the same career for 25 years, right? She doesn't need to do any marketing. (laughs) (laughs) The phone rings. It's just word of mouth. You know, she's, she's really great at her job. And, People keep coming and and calling her and she gets new clients um, and she doesn't need to market. And I don't have that luxury. (laughs) You know, this is part of what, uh, you know, as I have been navigating my career path and my business and really figuring out my true calling and the things that I love doing. You know, I don't have that 20 years or 25 years of doing the same thing. So I I need to do marketing. (laughs)
0: And that's okay. I mean, I think that when you can get to that point, it, it's definitely something that you can applaud yourself for. But to get to that point, you have to put in the time and you have to put in the effort in the early stages. And who knows, maybe tomorrow is when that big breakthrough hits that allows you to get to a point where it's all just word of mouth. It's all just referral business. Yeah. So you got to keep the effort coming. So um, you're doing consistency, it right. consistency. Yeah, and- absolutely.
1: That was, you know, a big thing I think last year in 2020 with, with you know, the pandemic, because uh, all of the work that I did was working with leadership teams sitting around the table, and you know, in March of middle of March of last year, a lot of people started saying, you know, we need to hit pause. We're not sure what's going on. We're sending everybody home. You know, we need to postpone all of those sorts of things so that you know was a was a real big challenge to work through but it made me figure out how I can deliver the work that I do virtually and engage with groups of people you know through zoom and so I've come out of that and I've got more than I used to do before
0: Do you see any gaps or shortfalls in the coaching industry today? And if so, how can others ensure they're taking the right approach when it comes to assisting others in this capacity?
1: Oh, that's a good question. So I think, I think some of the sort of difficulties in the coaching industry is we're sort of getting very clear about sort of what the coach can do, you know, sort of what their area of expertise is, if you like. I think, a lot of people can sort of come into the coaching industry or decide that they're coming into that from lots of different walks of life. But it's sort of how do you then figure out or position yourself around some expertise that you can coach around, if you like. Um, so I think that that's sort of one of the things is sort of really not being a coach to anything and everybody about you know any subject, right? It's sort of like you know, to know your process around a particular area and to be able to sort of really concentrate on that and focus on it, I think is an important thing. Because otherwise, you know, even I experience this when I'm looking at other coaches, it's sort of like, you know, what's what's your real sort of area of expertise and, and background and things like that? Because you've kind of done everything in life, <laughs> right? You've you got some speciality. And I think that that you know, sort of plays into these, these concepts of branding and and what makes you unique and, and um, really sort of helps you focus on a target market and what that market sees in you.
0: We've talked about this on past episodes of the show where picking a specialty and, and really finding your niche and, and zeroing in and getting in your lane and going full speed in that lane is so much more valuable than trying to be a jack of all trades, master of none, quote unquote. Because mm-hmm. it's, ve- it's really hard for those that find you to determine what you do when you're offering countless numbers of services and, and pieces of advice. If you can get incredibly granular with what you do and, and, and super specific, you're going to be a much more valuable resource for those that find you.
1: Yes. And then I, you know, this, these are the things I actually work on with my clients as well as part of the EOS system. You know, we have this. Concept, we call it the core focus. And it's what we call the sweet spot for a business. And that's the intersection between, you know, your purpose, your cause, your passion, like why are you in business and your niche, the things that you're really great at. And so when you sort of, you know, define what this core focus is, and then get everybody laser focused on that, then you get the whole business moving forward that much better. And, and, you know, because there's a certain temptation, I think all of us are probably guilty of this to sort of see the shiny stuff and to be sort of battling away on, you know, some whatever coal face you're working on and then to see something over there and you're like, Oh, <laughs> maybe that might be a better place to take the business in you, and if you keep doing that, then the people inside the business are not clear and don't know, like, what are we doing today? Where are we going today with the business? And then I think people outside the business don't see what you are as a business because you're doing some of this and you're doing some of that. Um, So it can be very sort of unclear, you know, being able to concentrate and you know, to define that core focus and then get everybody concentrating on it. um, I think really helps get everything clear, simple, Everybody aligned, you know, more streamlined, and let's all head in the same direction with that.
0: So Steve, what's one major problem you've solved in the evolution of your brand that's added value to your community?
1: Um, That's a good question. So I think one of the things that I see, you know, when I'm working with business owners and leadership teams, I see that everybody is busy. I see that everybody's stressed. No one's kind of really sitting around um, with nothing to do in, you know, the, the types of business clients that I'm working at. You know, they're all doing great work, pushing their business forward. You know, one of the things that sort of comes up in that environment is, of course, you know, it's a stressful environment. Got lots of different things. Like I said, 136 things coming at you all once every single day. How do you deal with that stress? It's a very important thing because, you know, the way we sort of, you know, as, as, as business leaders, you know, everybody's bringing all of their stuff to you, like all those questions. Hey, what about this? You know, the truck broke down. You know, this we lost this client. This one's complaining. All of these things are coming to you onto your plate as a leader in a business to deal with. Um, so you're helping. You have to help other people in your business to be able to metabolize their stress. And then you've got to be able to deal with that yourself, right? And to be able to be in a position where that's sustainable. Um, So, you know, one of the things that I've been very passionate about my whole life, and I also talk about with my clients is, you know, stress, I'll call it management or moderation. Like what are the tools and things that you do um, in your daily life to be able to help you moderate stress you know so doing things like exercise maybe journaling you know having a meditation practice but just something Um, and I think last year one of the things that really came up for me in the middle of the pandemic (laughs) is people talking about is there's some podcasts that I was listening to and people really talking about that your physiology and your psychology are not separate Your body and your mind are not separate. And the interesting thing is that your breath is the remote control to your nervous system in between them. So when you start doing sort of conscious breathing, you can really sort of clutch your body and your mind together. The reason why I'm talking about this, and I think it's important, is because, you know, as a leader, if you're in that stressful situation at work, as we've just been through, you know, through the pandemic, you need some tools in your toolkit not only to sort of organize the execution in the business, but to organize and take care of yourself so that you can be there as that leader to lead everybody else. Because, you know, if you've been triggered <laughs> or if something's going on with you and you're not in that position to to be able to lead the business, then unfortunately, you know, you're not operating you're, you're to you know, best potential. So I think that's really been one of the things is sort of, realizing that not only do I have tools for the business, but there's a whole bunch of amazing tools that leaders can use in the business to really help themselves deal with the stress. One of
0: the growth strategies and practices that you shared with me, you dubbed it the three uniques. Mm -hmm. Break this down for us and tell us how we can implement it into our practices.
1: So, yeah, I think that the three uniques, it's, it's one of the components of the marketing strategy that we work on with our clients in EOS. And it's really getting the business leadership team to define what are three things that really make you different and unique from the competition. And we even sort of like, you know, work with the team to sort of think about like, what is your competition saying about you? And if they're looking at you um, with envy, (laughs) if you like. And, um, you know, and and these three uniques might be, you know, when you come up with them, there may be some things like maybe, you know, some of your competition may do one of those uniques, the same as you, maybe. And maybe there might be a couple of people that might do two of those uniques the same, but no one does all three of those uniques. That's what makes them unique to you and to your business. And to really be able to define those, I I think, and and to make sure everybody's real crystal clear on the leadership team, because then that sort of informs like what you start going out and saying to people. And, you know, I was working with some clients recently and I, you know, it was such an illuminating moment because we, they, they were talking like the first sort of round of these uniques. They were kind of vanilla, <laughs> you know. They were kind of not unique, actually. <laughs> and so, you know, as a coach, you know, this is what I do: is I'm sort of I call that out and say, like, I'm, you know, I'm not. These don't really seem like they're that unique to me. What do your clients say about you? What does the competition say about you? And then what really came out of that was this incredibly rich discussion um, about, you know, how, what their clients say, like how their best clients see them as an organization that really allowed us to be able to, you know, list out three uniques that I could just see, like working with this leadership group, the energy in the room changed. Like from the beginning of that discussion, when we kind of had these kind of lukewarm vanilla uniques on the table to the end of this discussion when they're like yeah i mean this is who we are like this is what makes us different you know they're like the whole body language and the energy was just elevated and so much different and i and i love doing that type of work to really help a group be able to go through this process of of really defining who they are and, and having that discussion that allows them to come up with this gold And, you know, it's not like I'm not a consultant telling them that these are what their uniques are. The knowledge is in the room. I'm just the facilitator that's bringing that out and allowing them to define it. Um, So I think it's incredibly important. And, you know, both from the external perspective of how people outside see the business, but internally as well, it's important because if you, define what your three uniques are, and then you get everybody in the business on the same page with that, seeing that, saying that, you know, and then every time, because every employee in your business is is your face to the outside world, right? They're going out and they're interacting with, with folks on any sort of level, even if it's around a Sunday afternoon backyard barbecue, they're still talking about their, you know the business that they work in and what their business does and if you've given them these tools these magic golden tools to be able to talk about what you what's unique about the business then they've got something that they can now share with friends and family and relatives or anybody else they interact with and it just it's a consistent message then that does a lot of your branding for you you know out in the marketplace so.
0: One of the big approaches in branding is tapping into your personal story. And we see, we've see we talked about this here on Evolution of Brand before, and you see a lot of businesses that bring that true story of the founders that had a vision, but they also have a personal story that they're able to intertwine and, and interject into that vision and then bring that story forward. Have you experienced anybody that you've worked with that's been able to tap into that deep inner narrative and bring their story into their brand and ultimately help propel them to the success they were seeking?
1: Yeah. And this is actually very closely related to, you know, one of the other uh, things that we work on with EOS and that's, we work with companies to define um, what their core values are. And where this is all linked is, you know, going through that process of much the same way with three uniques, not just sort of coming up with a bunch of vanilla core values like you know integrity and respect and honesty those are what we call you know permission to play core values like everybody's got to have those right they, but they don't differentiate you they don't make you unique so i work with leadership teams to help them define like really what their real unique core values are But then, and this is where it relates to to what you were talking about, we get them to put that into a very real story where they talk about their core values and then demonstrate where those core values are getting used in the business day in and day out. I've got some clients that sort of talked about, you know, one day a, a, a truck showed up outside and it was pouring down rain you know, and there was no one around in the business to go unload the truck, except somebody, you know, in, in the admin department. And, you know, this young lady, you know, went and put a coat on and got out in the rain and unloaded this truck full of construction materials in the rain. And so, you know, out of that comes this value of going above and beyond in, in the business. And so they can take that and they can, they talk about that as as a story, right? You know, this. Here at Joe's Construction Company, you know, we go above and beyond. And let me tell you a a story about, you know, this young lady who went and unloaded a truck in a rain, you know, the sort of thing. And so you can really kind of paint this picture, you know, for people inside the business and outside as well about not only, you know, it's it's just not like a set of core values that are painted on the door or on a board somewhere that no one actually (laughs) follows, Enron or something like that, you know? but instead, using stories to be able to say, "Who's you know here's a, a core value. This is who we are as a business, and this is how it gets demonstrated," and then people can look at that and say, "Got it. That's what you know the leadership team expects. That's what I can do as a you know as a, an employee in this business." to be able to follow through. And I think stories like that, you know, they let they light people up, right? And then they can see um, exactly what's expected of them. Um, and so they can step up to the plate that way. So love, love working through that process.
0: To put an overarching theme over all of this, what do you feel is the most critical aspect to efficient, effective brand evolution?
1: Consistency. So, you know, this is sort of part of everything we, we do, you know, working with our businesses is just, you know, defining, getting people to, to, to talk about things like core values, their core focus, their three uniques, getting that written down and then being consistent about saying it and, and having that flow through, you know, every single part of the business you know, I think sometimes when we see businesses out there, you know, and we're a little confused about what's going on with them. I think that's because they're not being, you know, consistent through all of their branding or their, their messaging about who they are. They're being confusing about that. You know, and some people, you know, I guess as a recent example, right, with Facebook changing their name to, to Meta to maybe try to get away from some of the bad news that's been following them around recently. You know, you, you can kind of wonder if they're trying to just kind of they realize that they can't get the consistency they need with the old brand. So maybe they've just gonna ditch that and start over. And I hope everybody forgets. Who knows? <laughs> but anyway, consistency to me is you know just keep saying the same things, being consistent, keep it simple, and then people can you know, start sort of really seeing what you're about.
0: Steve, as we get ready to wind down, if you could go back in time and share one thing with your pre-evolved self that would completely change the game today, what would it be?
1: I think looking back, you know, when I probably first started my career, I was probably a lot more conservatively minded, I suppose, in terms of thinking that I was going to maybe stay working in one business or following one particular path. For my career, looking back now, you know, I can sort of see that well, I've gone on a whole bunch of different trails or different courses through my career, and it's all worked out just fine and I think you know when you're young and I see people graduating college as well is sort of like this what brings this to mind is sort of like this idea of you know people sort of wanting to or not being willing to sort of maybe take chances or you know, thinking that they need to grab onto one thing, but just realizing, you know, from, from looking back now, it's just like thing, things work out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Things work out. Go with the flow. It's a journey. You know, it's never going to quite be what you set out for it to be, but it's one of those sort of things that I, I sort of feel like everything you end up going through is contributing to who you are as a human being, right? building piece by piece. And then it makes you into who you are now. Um, So it's all good stuff. Provided my last little thing is here, provided you learn from it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, all the experiences that happen successful or if if they lead to a failure, it can help you learn and get better. It would almost be, to me, I look at it, it would be boring to not have these twists and turns along the way. If it was 100% straight path, it's sort of just, dull and what are you really going to learn from that right
1: well it's like I I like to teach fail the word fail stands for first attempt at initial learning that's what fail stands for that's perfect (laughs) perfect just realize that that's that's where you find the good stuff actually you find the boundaries you find the places where you need to learn more you find the obstacles that you push through and pushing through is building your character so Steve,
0: this has been a phenomenal conversation. I I hope our friends out there in the EOB Society were taking notes today. Where can we connect with you for more insight?
1: People are welcome to reach out to me. Uh, My email is steve.marris at eosworldwide.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn, Stephen A. Morris. Uh, Look me up there. I'm always happy to connect, always happy to have a conversation help people figure out, you know, where they want to move forward and what they want to get out of their businesses.
0: EOB Society, you can find all of Steve's info in the show notes so you can connect with him. And again, Steve, thanks for taking the time to impact us today.
1: Thank you, Jason. It's been a great conversation. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the show.
0: What are you doing to showcase your unique to COB Society? It's a crowded, noisy digital space, and brands that are telling a good story and providing value to their audience are the ones that are truly standing out. Pair that with your unique, authentic skills, and you'll put yourself in a position to win. I'd like to once again thank Steve Morris for joining me on Evolution of Brand today and sharing this valuable message with us. To get more from this episode, visit evolutionofbrand.com and click on the link for episode 56. Or head straight to jasoncircone.com slash stevemorris for instant access to links, resources, and show notes. And I'm talking primo notes. I got an A. Want to support Evolution of Brand? Be sure you're following and you're subscribed so you're the first to know when new content goes live. Leave a rating and written review on Apple Podcasts as well as podchaser.com and a 5-star rating on Spotify. And as always, recommend this episode of Evolution of Brand to one person in your circle who you know will be impacted by what they hear. With that, episode 56 of Evolution of Brand has officially gone into the archives. I look forward to connecting with you once again when episode 57 goes live. Until then, this has been Jason Sercone on Evolution of Brand. Never stop evolving. In addition to Evolution of Brand and my website, JasonSircone.com, I'm also sharing new content on my YouTube channel every week. I'm on a mission to bring purpose and clarity to podcast guest marketing and help professionals just like you build their brands and enhance their visibility as a value-driven podcast guest. Each week, I share new videos that shine the spotlight on tips, strategies, and fundamentals of being a quality podcast guest, as well as impactful clips from Evolution of Brand. I invite you to subscribe and be part of my YouTube community. Visit youtube.com slash Jason Sircone and smash that subscribe button. That's youtube.com slash Jason Sircone. I can't wait to meet you there.